Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. But first this week, I'm really pleased to welcome back to the Luck on Sunday studio the professional gambler Patrick Veach, who this week expounded his theory on racing's, as he put it, bloating, bloated fixture list in an article in the Racing Post, in a long article in the Racing Post. And I'm going to try, Patrick, this morning to try and drill down and find out if between us in the next 25 minutes we can find a solution. First of all, thanks for coming in. Why do you think we've got too much racing? I think it was a well-meaning attempt to increase betting turnover, you know, back down sort of decades. Uh, I think the bookmakers and the BHA and the predecessors got together and they decided that their method would work. They looked at statistics. They, they said, well, you know, based on what we see, we have more turnover when we have four meetings rather than three. And it just seemed to work. But that is short term. It's a fallacy that works in the long term. It contains a conflicting variable. The conflicting variable being, being the appetite of the customer. I'll give you an example of that. At the moment, the government are testing a huge number of people for antibody tests mm -hmm. for the COVID. And they're sending out letters and saying, well, will you please cooperate with this and do the test? That's not going to work at all because the antibody test is going to be done by people who are diligent, the people who are more likely to be social distancing, and the people who can't be bothered are the people who are less likely to do the test. So the, the results will be junk. You know? And what you have in the case of the appetite of the customer in the long-term um, situation with fixtures is that the more fixtures you throw at them in the short term, next week, whatever it works, in the long term, they get fed up with it. The, you know, the, the daily newspapers outside the racing, racing post don't have time to publish any articles anymore. It's just race card, race card, race card. You go in, you try to follow the sport, it's bloated, it's relentless, it's fixture after fixture. Yesterday afternoon, there were three flat meetings in the space of, three flat races in the space of five minutes. People just can't keep up with it. But is there any evidence to suggest that this is damaging long-term racing's turnover or the betting turnover? Well... There isn't a proven cause link, but down sort of you know, one, two, three decades, we've repeatedly seen our market share go down at a time when we might have been hoping it'd go up. Because back in the day, you had to listen to a racing commentary, you know, an Excel racing commentary in a betting shop. That was all you got. Suddenly, we've got this wonderful environment where you know, racing pictures are available in the betting shops, then in homes, then on, on phones. And yet the, sh the share has gone down and down and down. And when you talk to people in racing, and I've obviously talked to punters all the way through from punters who have two bets in their life to regular punters to former regular punters, and the narrative is consistently that there's just too much of it. You can't keep up with it. But isn't the reason that the market share has gone down because the availability of betting on other sports and in lots of novel ways has increased and other sports are fundamentally more popular than horse racing? Well, well they are now. Um, you know, that, that are, are the level of popularity of horse racing has gone down as the fixtures have gone up. But haven't football and cricket and rugby always been more popular than horse racing? I would say, you know, in terms of their, their proximity to the national psyche, I would say horse racing compared to say rugby, no, um, you know, uh, the, but it, it was you know the following the horses across all levels of society. Oh, I follow the Gigi's that sort of thing was just a bigger thing back then, hmm. and and when it was more, you know, I was talking to my father. He talked about in the 1980s there was a horse Previdio who used to win, you know, a relentless number of two-year-old races, and he said when he went into the betting shop, you know, there'd be a crowd of people there to see it. Now. The, the bean counters worked out that those type of races where you had a four to seven favourite didn't make as much money. But it got the interest up on a day when there was very little other interest. And that generated, you know, stories in the press. It was it just suddenly made the Monday the more, uh, Monday's racing more interesting. But it interests me because you're, you're a man with a mathematical background. Mm. You're, a, you're a Cambridge mathematician, mm -hmm. a prodigious Cambridge mathematician. You've turned your hand to making a lot of money gambling. Yet your, your theory here is quite... Uh, 
is quite an abstract one. It's not one that really relies on concrete numbers. It relies yep. on something that's coming from your 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 heart. Well, but also a vast number of other people's hearts. You can't have a, you know, a proven way, although the RCA have claimed that they have a solid mathematical basis for the belief in their fixture list. I would love to see that. Um, you can't have proven evidence because how do you assess the, the impact of customers that left the sport? How do you assess the people who, when they were bored on a train, they turned to the racing pages and it was just a mass of horses. It wasn't like it was 20, 30 years ago when there'd be two, three stories even on a weekday. It was just a mass of horses. How do you account the number of people who, even if you survey them, they wouldn't even be interested in talking to you about horse racing because they lost interest years ago because it was just too relentless. So you genuinely believe if there were fewer fixtures, you could actually turn over more money? You could turn over more, more betting revenue? You would simply have more customers. You know, you, you wouldn't have, if you dropped the fixture list, you wouldn't have more customers in a day, but you would over time, and you would also arrest the decline. At the moment, it's gone down and down and down because it just has been impossible to follow. And it's, it's not just me that believes it. This is a very, very widely spread, widespread view across industry people, you know, across the horsemen, but also across betting people. And I've spoken to a huge number of them, and it's consistently, oh, I just can't keep up with it. Everyone talks about the horse population, the pyramid of the horse population. At the moment, there are horses being balloted out left, right and centre that cannot get a run. Mm. What do you do with them all, well, with, uh, this, with this vastly reduced fixture that's list? That's likely to be a, a less, less of a problem. We're going to see a contracting number of horses anyway. We're going to see that, you know, at the moment, a lot of horses will be sold. We're going out of the country at the end of this year. You know, there's going to be reduced breeding. There's going to be reduced yearling purchases. At the moment, you've probably still got trainers who can afford to buy horses on spec to, to keep the population up. But, you know... Don't forget, it's not just COVID. There's going to be the tax rises that result from that. All the money that's been spent, a lot of it's been wasted as well. Uh, you know, we're going to be facing a much more difficult economy. And in light of that, the horse population is going to drop anyway. So you can have lower turnover because we know that if you have more six, seven runner fields across the board, that's going to produce lower turnover. But now we have the perfect opportunity because the number of horses will go down. But the horse population is not going to go down for a couple of years. Well, I don't think... Because there's, a, there's, a, there's going to be a natural delay. So people didn't stop producing the amount of horses they were going to produce either this year or last year. They might start, start that process next year or the year after, which means it's probably three or four years down the track well, no, until the horse population starts contracting. In the meantime, we've still got a whole load of horses who actually can't get into a race. Yeah, but I'm not imagining that you know, anybody can wave a magic wand and drop the fixed list tomorrow anyway. Yeah. There's, there's long-term deals. But what do we do with all those horses? Well, uh, Give them away? No, but over time... Put the, them down? But over time, horses will the more go abroad. There's quite high demand for horses in the Middle East, that sort of thing. There simply will be... They will fetch lower prices at the sales. Already you'll see fewer horses um, going to... Fewer mares going to stallions next year. And over time, you'll just see, you'll just see the situation you know, dissipate into more, other countries elsewhere. So there'll be a natural contraction we won't need the fixtures anyway, so the, the sport's going to sort itself out. So. Well, no, because we may struggle on and try to just have smaller fields because, because racing's administrators have been obsessed by this idea that high fixtures is good. Or we can you know, assess the actual opinion of the people across the industry and the punters and realise this isn't good and we need to change. Can we just talk about this particular period of time? Because mm -hmm. would you agree that it's almost impossible for racing's governors and regulators to massively trim back the fixture list at a time when they are so desperate for their coffers to be filled that the only way they can guarantee those coffers being filled is to have a lot of fixtures to guarantee media rights payments and to guarantee the levy. Well, as I say, maybe for the next few months, but in time you're going to be faced a situation as the horse population drops, you're going to be you'll be going to have small fields and you'll be better off having a smaller number of larger fields because the smaller fields produces smaller overrounds and just less interest from the punters in general. So it's going you know, that situation is going to be facing us anyway.
You know, and uh, okay, you know, we can keep having this situation of let's try to grab more money next month, but in the end, it's the long-term survival of the support uh, of the sport. You know, the, the, the interest has gone down. We've got an aging population in terms of those interested in horse racing. And by having this impossible to fathom situation where you open the racing paper or you open the racing pages of a, of a daily newspaper or go online, there's just so much of it. That's a barrier to entry. So are you saying the bookmakers are simply wrong? They are simply misleading us when they say this is the way that we turn over the most money? Well, what you have to remember there is that it, you know, the, the, the chiefs and the bookmakers have a less of a long-term vested interest. They tend to be in these jobs for one, two, three years. So if they can drive up turnover for a few months, that's this year's bonus. As the racing industry, we're concerned with five, 10, 20 years. And it is a massively held view in the sport and amongst the punters that the sheer number of fixtures is an appetite reducer. And driving down the appetite of the punter is not going to help us in the long term. So in terms of the amount of money we generate over the next 10 years, it will be lower if we carry on on this course. But how does a, how does a leader in horse racing turn around and say, here's the numbers, here's the data that shows me that this is what the bookmakers are turning over on this type of race. But you know what? It's my feeling that punters aren't enjoying this. I don't have any data to back it up, but I feel that way, so therefore I'm going to fundamentally restructure the sport. Yeah. How brave do you have to be well, let's, to do let's, that? Let's research the situation. Let, let's let's let have a situation, but let's have everybody involved in the research mm. rather than the RCA going off and you know, d doing it privately. So um, who, would you, who would you include in your, in your focus groups, in your surveys? That's, I'm not really, as a, I'm not, oh, uh, perhaps my article shows, I'm not the perfect diplomat. It's not for me to run the politics I don't want you to be diplomatic, <laughs> I just want you to be honest. It's not for me to be, um, I, I wouldn't really have at the top of my head who are the people I bring in. But certainly, you know, I don't think it would be difficult to find a very, very large number of people in the racing industry and amongst the punters who will loudly say, yes, this is too much and it is putting us off. And you made the point that you felt that there was so much Irish racing in that kind of peak window at the moment in, in betting shops and the, the British-based product was being extended out into the morning and extended out into the evenings to increase the betting shop hours. This seems to be a COVID thing, that there was a decision yeah. taken to let's stretch the day to make it as long as possible. Because but, we were having nine and ten race cards. Um, but also, the, but it wasn't just that, it was, it was to try and make it, as I understand it, a, it was some feedback came to me, that, that they would simply wanted to make it a, as, 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 as long as possible for punting opportunities, which, as I say, is in the long term just a relentlessness that the punter can't keep up with. You know, having him have the opportunity to look forward to the racing starting, having a situation where the flat season has a break of two or three weeks, where the jump season has a break of two or three weeks before. So people get that anticipation that in the other really popular sports happens. Um, yes, in terms of post-COVID, we've had this situation, the bookmakers may have been a bit of a sleight of hand here, that, we, OK, there might be some betting going on at 12.30, but it's a lot less. And between 2 and 5 p.m., you've got more betting, and they've succeeded in creating a situation where the Irish racing um, has been a much higher percentage of that. And of course, the Irish racing has not been well served by this whole situation because they rightly are complaining they're getting too little coverage because they're mixed in. I, I personally think they'd be better with their own standalone channel. Yeah, the other, well, we'll come to that in a moment. But the, the other point that you made about the Irish racing is, of course, at the moment, bookmakers are not paying levy mm. on the Irish racing. But would you concede that the industry is moving fairly swiftly to shore that up. That's been at the top of the wish list and it seems to be that that is going to happen. But having a situation where there's a race every few minutes in the long term is just not going to help us. It's, you know, we need a situation whereby it is a manageable proposition. We need to think long term. It's, about, it's not about how much money we can grab in the next three months. It's about having a situation where the sport is popular long term and doing something that almost everybody that you talk to says is a bad thing isn't going to help with that. Okay, start rewriting the fixture list for me.
Patrick Beach is in charge of racing. <coughs> you want some gaps. You want a situation where somebody who's really quite keen on the sport or might become quite keen on the sport has some opportunities to go off and play a game of tennis, to go off down the pub. You, know, you want a situation whereby the racing's only four, after, four, four evenings a week. Um, you want a situation whereby there are afternoons where there's only a couple of meetings, so it feels like they can catch their breath. Um, you, you definitely don't want those days where there's seven meetings on, on a Saturday, or eight even, that sort of thing. Just impossible to keep up with. But aren't you presupposing that anyone who likes racing sort of feels compelled to watch every single race that's ever run? That's, that's no. surely never a... Well, the, 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 it's not a case that people are going to do that, but they want to have some feeling of connection with it. So, yes, there, there might, will be some people, for example, who, if they're based in the south, will follow the southern meetings. Some people are based in the north, they'll follow the northern meetings. Um, but even if they don't follow everything, they might scan it. You know, it doesn't mean they're necessarily watching every race, reading every race, studying the form, but at least if it's something you can scan and go, ah, yes, Gosden in this race, and ah, yes, ah, yes, I like the Easterby horse in that race, that's a situation you can keep up with. But you won't even bother. I mean, an awful lot of people in the industry don't even scan the cards like they would have done 10, 20 years ago because it's just too much. Because you don't feel that they have natural quick reference points that they would have had in the old days. Yeah, they're just simply, they don't, they're not as familiar with what's gone on. Then, you know, the, 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 the sheer situation of, how many races went on yesterday? If you travel to the races with a racing person, they're, you know, 10, 15 years ago, their familiarity with what had happened in the last three or four days was much greater because they had a chance to keep up with it. Because studying yesterday's results, even if you didn't watch the racing, wasn't a massive proposition. But isn't this all anecdotal? This is all anecdotal rather than it doesn't have much... Well, you know, at, at least I can say that in terms of turnover dropping, that has happened. Mm. There's no case for the other side. The, the case is based on a fundamental fallacy. I saw the research. That these people you know, are by no means statistical probability experts, and that's what this subject is. And the reason this happened, this big increase in turnover, we want three criteria meetings here, we want this, that and the other, was based on the fact that they showed statistics that said that when you have more meetings tomorrow, um, that produces more turnover. And that works in the short term. And all human experience suggests that the relationship between somebody's appetite for something and the supply is very different in the short term to the long term. Can you give an example of that? Well, I've, I've talked about snooker, how you know, snooker became you know, hugely uh, more popular and then suddenly as it was saturated, 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 people had enough of it. And you see that you know, if you serve somebody the same meal all the time, you know, they, they get fed up with it. If, you, if somebody suddenly is, is bombarded by the same activity, you see their interest wanes. So we're now talking about something slightly different, which is variety. Yes. So you would like there to be more variety in the way that cards are compiled. I think we yeah. Would so I, I touched on that with the idea that the, the, the two-year-old that won 14 races, mm. this sort of, you know, evil for turnover. The idea that a horse would win regularly at four to seven, but maybe get beat six times course, during the year. Of course, the provision for it for that to even happen is not there anymore, and is very unlikely. Of course, it. because it was deliberately taken away in order to suppress. But, but a long time ago now, we can't. Yeah. That genie can't go back in the bottle, can it? You could bring it back a little bit, um, but certainly this business of repeat handicaps, the same, same 0-17, or the same endless repetition of the same type of races, that can't be good. You used to get these showdowns that might have been 5-4, to 6-4, and 3 or 4 others in the race, and that was seen as bad for turnover, but it added variety to the racing day. And when you went into a betting shop, you know, plenty of people there, they knew the names of the trainers, they knew the names of the jockeys, and they had some familiarity with the horses, but... It was interesting because you got a variety of what was going on, and now you don't. And, and it just, you know, it's, it seems intuitively so obvious. And I mean, part of it is, obviously, I hope I have a good intuition for this, but it's what other people say as well. It just seems so obvious that if you supply a more varied day, then people, you know, are going to have more interest. See, it's interesting to me, you're talking a lot about betting shops in quite a nostalgic way. Haven't we got to move forward and realise that in a decade's time, betting shops... Yeah, are I, I, pretty well unlikely to, to exist. 
I'm, in refer their current I'm, re I'm referring to betting shots because that was the situation when we had a more manageable fixture list. But, but in the future, in it's more online, but the situation will be the same. In fairness to you, you're not the only one because a part of the sports funding model is predicated on the retail estate. For, for better or worse. So mm. we've got to find our way beyond that. Yes. We've got to find our way beyond what you believe to be a, a cluster of fixtures. I still haven't really got from you the idea of how you would like a fixture list to look, how you would like a week to look, a league ideally. Would, two evenings off, uh, generally less, less fixtures on most days, a fewer, and, uh, and you know, probably quite a few less on, on Saturdays. So how, go, go uh, on, give me some numbers. I haven't looked at that that carefully. I, I, my, my general view, I mean, if you took a simplistic approach and took pretty much one meeting off every day mm -hmm. uh, and then lost two evenings as well, that would be a broad brush start. But people who you know, spend their time looking into the detail of this you know, would, would find a framework there. Certainly some evenings off, at the moment we only really have Sunday evening off, and more days when it's just sort of it's a relaxed schedule. It's not being thrown at you all the time. Let's just talk about how how the punter now can enjoy the sport. I mean, it's your premise, from what I'm gathering, that you believe that it's not that enjoyable at first glance because they're just simply being fed too much. Yes, so, but that's what they say. How, how, how you as a, would you advise a, a gambler, a recreational gambler or otherwise, to pick their way through and get the maximum satisfaction from the sport and possibly the maximum... They have to specialise, you know, but that's probably at a, the level where, you know, people would take that sort of advice is somebody who's already pretty keen. It's the people who haven't started yet. Um, it's the people who get a tip from their friend at work who says that, oh, it's a horse, first, first one of the season for Corto Star, you know, certainty today, it's Exeter, you know, it's going to have absolute certainty. And here's about this, sees it win, you know, even if it's four to six, I think that's wonderful, you know. I knew that was going to win, he told me. And that's suddenly, and, but now it's a situation whereby, you know, which channel do I go to? That's one of the problems there. But in terms of the punter, going back to your question, um, they need to specialise more. They need to be ruthless and say, I'm not going to do these type of races, I'm not going to do that type of races. But that's not the experience of the casual punter. They're just going to be bombarded. But what, what advice would you give to the punter then in, in, in terms of, of specialising? How narrowly do they, have to, do they have to whittle it down? in order to in Almost order to... as narrowly as possible. But I could give some more general advice to to punters who want to be ser serious. One of the problems in, 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 in advising um, punters is what they want me to tell them is, in six foot on handicaps, you should look for this, you yeah. should look for this. But the way that media has gone now, as soon as you put a method out there, that method becomes less value. That you've got a situation whereby the, the blaggers at 5 p.m. the night before will drive the price down. And you have a situation where you know, the, 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 the judges on Twitter, uh, and there are many very fine ones, will discuss methods and, and, and those who are content providers who are there to educate or, or just in betting for fun, they should feel that's great. But if you want a successful method, you either have to invent your own method to, to, to get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're wanting to be successful as a punter, you either have to invent your own method or take an existing method, do it better, but not publish how, you know. But I can give you a way the punter could improve. That's what I was yeah. going for, yeah. But it's, it's, it's slightly more abstract than where you were driving at. That lifestyle is a massive thing. If you're in sales, if you work in a, uh, if you own a sales company, you don't have to be performing to a high level most of the time. You know, you have to be charming, you have to be charismatic, um, you have to be fairly relentless. But, and even if you have to decide on the new products or the marketing, you're not making decisions constantly. You can ponder those when you're in a good mood or when you're in an active mood, you know, over days and weeks. But if you're choosing horses, you know, uh, for part or all of your living, then you have to be on your game the whole time. Modern life 
um, suppresses our levels of the important brain chemistry by staying indoors, by being sedentary, mm -hmm. by avoiding exercise, you suppress your dopamine and serotonin levels. By avoiding getting the sunlight in your eyes and your pineal glands, you're reducing your serotonin levels. By not getting UV light on your skin, you're reducing your hormone levels. And by taking too much alcohol on too many days of the week, you're adding extra depressant in and also suppressing your dopamine levels. If you want to be better, you have to be more active, you have to exercise, you need to get out in the sunlight. And the cliche of the gambler sat, you know, the poker player or the, or the gambler sat, in his underwear for 12 hours a day just in front of a screen. You, in a situation where your brain performance is important, you're massively suppressing your natural brain's ability to function. And I can give you the gold standard, and this, you know, far, far too many of the punting population would be way too cool for this. But if you want the gold standard, you want a sitting desk and a standing desk in your office. If you don't have room, you can get one that combines the two. And then for a few hundred pounds, you can buy a treadmill, which you can put under the, uh, under the standing desk. And so instill what's a very sedentary job. If you want your brain to perform well, then you need to maybe spend a couple of hours a day when you're watching yesterday's videos or looking at tomorrow pacing away as well. You sound like a convert to me. You sound like someone who's found this at a relatively, re relatively late stage. I, mean, I, was, I was always okay, um, but you know, I, I've certainly, my brain has become better for, for, for getting, these, getting your brain chemistry back up to its natural so state. So you're winning even more money now because you're fitter? I'm not going to do it. I'm doing KK, you know. Uh, but it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the mickey slightly, but I don't mean to, because I, I, you know, healthy mind, a healthy body and all that. It's but a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a profession, if you like, if it is, yeah. that it's so, so much more important than other things. Yeah. Uh, OK, let's get, back to the, let's get back to the fixture list and, and how we're going to take the, the game forward. Um, who, are the, who are the right sort of people to put something like this in place? Well, at the moment, it feels a little bit like sort of um, late communist Russia that we're in a situation whereby the people out there largely say this isn't working. But the Politburo, the BHA, uh, are ideologically committed. They made this mistake, or their predecessors, they, they, could, they could actually you know, put it off on the predecessors. They made this mistake of simply a statistical misunderstanding um, decades ago, and they're now ideologically stuck with it. And then the party members could be seen to be sort of the RCA. They're doing OK, um, so they, they don't want it changing. But out there... Well, that's, know, because, that's because the RCA's central funding stream is based on the model that that has been presented to them mm -hmm. two and a half decades ago yes uh, Pilot it high and sell it reasonably priced yes um which is not working so uh you know where we take from there we, we need the bha to engage with the the massive objection to the current situation across industry people and across the punting population. When you say it's not working, what's your primary re reason for saying it's not working? Is it a diminution in the, what you perceive to be the popularity of the sport, or is it less money in the sport? It is a reduction in our market share of betting turnover, and it is a reduction in the number of race fans who bet and will keep betting for 10, 20, 30 years. Because we've made this, this is almost like there's two types of um, the punter. There's the punter who just has a bet in the betting shop, and but there's also plenty of people who, from betting shops or online or whatever, who uh, they have a genuine interest in the sport. And we've driven down those number of people, and we're continuing to drive it down. So we're agreed that in this COVID period, however long it it lasts, we still need an emergency fixture framework in order to fund the sport. You're agreed on that? I think, I think we no choice, have no choice for the next few We're months. We're in it, aren't we? Yeah. We're, there's no way yeah. we can start we can't, it's not, There's no change overnight, there. but we are certain to have a problem with the current fixture list with the inevitable decline in the horse population over one, two, three years, and it's how we handle that. And fewer fixtures is the way forward, okay. rather than smaller fields.
Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Dubai.